and the name that makes it happen No further introduction to the man that's worth tracking City's clapping for his relentless backing A vasty against the former team that just went packing While they're slacking and other hosts are lacking He tells it like it is on issues that nobody's tackling While he's racking, the ones who keep on grappling The listeners, some followers who get it, keep on stacking Great friend, and the type to set a trend President to see where haters with the men, there's no pretend 17 years, he along with Pierce Entertaining Southern Kelly, backed by popular demand Intense for the listeners to resonate To the hottest topics of the day, check the resume While some local leaders seem to lack the unity My man uses his voice to do what's best for the community Westwood One, catch him on the sidelines Reporting live, what we later see in highlights No holds barred, just like on his timeline Sun filter podcast, no need to follow guidelines Meet any criteria, dropping bombs like Syria Touching down, all around, connected like Expedia Coming to your speakers live from the city, yo Bestie, welcome to the Scott Kaplan Media Great friends, let me start off by saying happy holidays to everybody. And here we are in December, and this year, I don't know about you, feels to me like it is absolutely flown by. But I think when you're ultra hyper busy and you're really focused and you've got a lot of shit going on, like we talked about a few weeks ago with Work Denver, you know, chaos around, but trying to stay focused. Um, all of a sudden, time is really, really flying. And that's going to be the focus of today's podcast because the gentleman who is on today's podcast, his name is Craig Cunningham. And I would never have known this story, but I received an email from my friend Bob Babbitt, who was on the podcast a few weeks ago, the guy who was the founder of the Challenge Athletes Foundation and an Ironman Hall of Famer. And he called me and he said, hey, there's this guy and his name is Craig Cunningham. Do you know his story? And I said, no, I don't. And he sent me a YouTube link and I watched the story, a 13 minute piece that was produced by ESPN and a reporter named Tom Rinaldi about a guy who was a minor league hockey player who was drafted by the Boston Bruins, made it to the NHL, was traded to the Arizona Coyotes, was demoted to their minor league system, and while in the pregame you know, national anthem, the dude just collapses on the ice. And after collapsing, he goes into cardiac arrest. And on the ice in front of the people who are at the game, I don't want to make it seem like there were 15,000, but in front of the crowd, including his mother, they're tearing off his jersey. They're delivering CPR. They're, they're putting him on a gurney. They're taking him off the ice. I mean, it, it, this is all happening. And it turns out after, uh, after being you know, without a heartbeat for 90 minutes, the guy is finally, um, you know, there, there's a specialist, a doctor, and he's brought in and, and he's there to, to save the day. And I'll, I'll, the story progresses. So let me just get right to it. Craig Cunningham is an amazing, interesting guy, was not on my radar, didn't know who he was. Frankly, everybody wasn't planning on doing a podcast this week because I didn't have the time this week. And I thought, you know, I didn't have the great subject that I wanted to. And, and as people say to me, how does this happen? How do you find these people? I say all the time and I'll tell Craig. They seem to find me. So so I think we're all going to get something from this interview because literally two years ago from right now, this guy was on the ice playing pro hockey, trying to get back to the NHL and subsequently major heart failure, 90 minutes without a heartbeat. You'll hear what happens. He loses his leg as a result. And what's happened in his life in the last two years. It's quite an amazing story. And thanks to my friend Bob Babbitt, who brought Craig Cunningham into my office today to to record this podcast and I said to Bob here grab a mic jump in on this because Bob is you know as everybody knows I mean legendary broadcaster with Babbittville radio and um, competitor radio hour and um, just all the years that Bob's been in the media I said Bob grab a mic and sit in on this this would be great so Craig Cunningham what a story here he comes 
just before, please let me just say thank you to the sponsors who've helped us all year long. My friends at the Brigantine Family of Restaurants, I mean, I'm literally at the Brigantine in Del Mar two to three times a week, and I'm starting to branch out. But I will say this, they have got a burger in the, in the bar called the All-American Burger. I'll put it up against anybody's right now. So usually I'm, I'm eating tacos when I'm at the Brigantine, although I always brag about the entire menu. All of a sudden, the burger is like the top of my list, only on Sundays. Thank you to the Brigantine Family of Restaurants. You guys came in and supported this podcast early, and I really appreciate you. Also, Gorilla Movers. A friend of mine is just moving, and I said, hire the best professionals. Do not attempt to do this by yourself. Do not attempt to do this on the cheap. It will only cost you more money later. Hire the professionals right now. That's Gorilla Movers at GorillaMovers.com. And lastly, I must thank my friends at Callaway Golf, CallawayGolf.com. I always talk about what a phenomenal media company Callaway has become within the golf industry and on their website and using social platforms. But amazing what tremendous supporters um, Callaway Golf has been not just to my radio show but of course to the podcast as well CallawayGolf.com thank you Callaway and lastly I just want to thank all of the great friends who've given time that's because that's the greatest thing you can give to me and by the way I feel like I can give it back to you I mean time is is the gift and I started this platform sided earlier in the year I didn't even really take it live until about July, August. And since then, August, September, October, November, four or five months, the thousand plus people that have signed up for this platform, that have tested the software, that have helped, um, for those that have even brought negative feedback, great, bring it. Uh, we're trying to develop something different, interesting, and on, at this point now, what's left, a shoestring budget. So we're, we're getting there. We're making big improvements. There's huge software updates coming. So for those of you that have helped, thank you. For those of you that would like to try, Sided, S-I-D-E-D dot co, Sided dot co, sign up for an account, jump into a debate, vote for a debate, leave a side comment. All of this stuff is all just to really create some numbers so that I can go back to my investors and say, we think we've got something here. Look what we've been able to do. And for those of you that are helping, I really sincerely appreciate that because it's been a phenomenal year here on the podcast, the radio show. And thank you with this platform that we're building cited. Here is this week's interview with the incredible Craig Cunningham. Dude, I have no idea. He's gonna go. I have no idea what's about. I have no idea what's about to happen here in the next period of time, Craig Cunningham. And by the way, um, gets even better this afternoon because my friend Bob Babbitt is here. And Bob was a guest on the podcast a few weeks back. And Bobby, I'll tell you that so many people called me and commented, people you know that had no idea. About all the stuff you had been through and how Competitor Magazine had gotten put together. And I mean, yeah, it was, I I got a lot of feedback on that. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. A lot of fun. So, you know, Craig, it's interesting. Um, People say, well, dude, how do you find all these interesting stories and all these interesting people? And honestly, I keep telling people the same thing. They just keep finding me. Seriously. Like, I I didn't know your story, honestly, until Bob sent me an email. And, um, you know, I've been involved with the Challenge Athletes Foundation for a long time. And so once he sent me the video of the Tom Rinaldi piece, is that what his name Tom Rinaldi on ESPN? Dude, I watched that thing, and I'm like, oh, my God, I can't wait to talk to this guy. So thanks for coming in today, man. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah, Bob's a good man. He's got me uh, connected in a lot of of different ways. So it's, it's cool to be here. Yeah, we'll kind of explain... Bobby's involvement here today <laughs> but but I, I will just start off by saying it was Bob who connected us so that's really cool and so here it is a rainy day Bob brought you in to hang out and so let's all just chill 
Love it. Yeah? Yeah, yeah, we're ready. All right. So just let's jump right into the story, dude. Um, 2014, you were going to be an NHL hockey player. Is that right? Uh, yeah, I, well, 2014, yeah, I just had started. Uh, just started playing, getting getting games, kind of turned pro two years before that, but finally was getting called up and, and starting to play some time. Yeah, so you're going to play for the Boston Bruins. Correct. And yeah. I saw the video, like I said, and you know you scored this goal, which was a beautiful slap shot that got <laughs> past the goalie, and like, wow, I'm in the NHL, I'm a real professional hockey player, I scored at this level. And your mom pretty much kind of gave us that part of the story yeah um it was my uh my third game that i played and uh it was uh yeah it was exciting kind of just a whirlwind you just <laughs> I saw this puck squirt loose skate down the ice and actually the guy back checking with uh on me from ottawa i grew up skating with uh you know from when i was like 13 to 18 so it was a pretty cool experience oh wow playing against guys you grew up with how about that yeah that's well, part of it i didn't know well what's fascinating to me is i think it's sort of a canadian thing but you know you're 16 years old and you go away from home Right, you go away from home to play junior hockey, mm-hmm. and I, that's that's a little NFL. You're not leaving no, home no. to go play. You know, that's a that's a hard thing to go away from home when you're that young. <laughs> yeah, it. Uh, I think it's harder for the parents, honestly, than it is the kids. Um, you know, I walked out the door when I was 15 and kind of said, <laughs> "See you later." And um, it wasn't that far from home, eight hour drive, so I was able to see my mom. Uh, a couple times a month on the road, or she'd come down to visit. But um, I think the, the cool thing about junior hockey is the you know the brotherhood and the family kind of that you get. It. You know, I look back now on my career, and um, you know from junior to pro is twelve years, and all the you know the the closest, tightest relationships and best experiences I have are are from junior from those from those years. Yeah, I feel like that junior hockey level, the time of your life where you're talking about fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen years old. That's like high school football. It's the same thing. These guys are brothers for life. But anybody who's listening thus far would say i still don't get it dude um kaplan you're not a hockey fan you know you you don't spend much time talking about hockey so what is this young hockey guy doing in your office here so i mentioned 2014 is the year you start playing pro hockey but it was i 2016 as i understand it that you were now in the arizona coyotes organization right but playing for their triple a affiliate down in tucson which we have one here in san diego the gulls same thing and before a game just just take us from the beginning of the story you're standing on the ice pre-game what yeah happens? um you just and you know, everyone kind of asked me like oh was the day different or anything you know my mom was in town and we had played the night before and uh it was just kind of any other game day get up and go to the rink go home take a nap and come back to the rink and warm up and everything had gone fine go back off the ice for uh, for a nice clean and stand there for the national anthem and as soon as i lined up for the face-off, I, I collapsed on the ice and kind of went right into cardiac arrest. Um, the, there was luckily tons of medical people on file. The firefighters from local firefighters were singing the national anthem. Plus, there's you know three or four EMS at every game, and you know two trainers per team that were all equipped to to help me. So I was incredibly lucky that it happened in a, in a public place. And um, you know, I guess I to dumb down the story 90 plus minutes of cpr and unconscious and um get kind of put into a hospital they got to call a specialist in that can come in hook me up with a special machine he comes in you know connects me and um you know we had a two mile drive to the hospital it took i think an hour and a half for them to drive two miles because they were so worried about the bumps and things falling out so uh it was a crazy crazy you know event um well, let me ask you this question so so you collapse on the ice I've seen the video, Bobby. I mean, yeah. the video. We we're going to put it out on Twitter for people who who haven't seen this story yet, because I think it'll it'll make this even that much more interesting to hear. You know, kind of a deeper Absolutely. dive in. But 
you you fall to the ice. Do you have any recollection of anything after? No. Um, or what's yeah. the what's the last memory before you collapsed? Do you know? You know, I, I my mom had flown in uh, for the weekend, so that was kind of uh, we 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 had played the night before. I don't remember that game at all, but I remember you know two days prior, mom had flown in. I went up and you know picked her up and brought her up to her hotel and hung out, and that was kind of the last the last memories I had. I don't remember the weekend before, or you know definitely the game or that game or that day, but. Um, yeah, my memories is very cloudy. I think that's kind of good. The human body can kind of flush out those dark times. Yeah, really. So so you're on the ice, and, and I know you've probably seen the video also, but what we are all watching in this piece, the way we all come to know your story is, dude, they're cutting his jersey off. Yeah. I mean, they're cutting his uniform off on the ice. On the ice. Imagine the mom in the, in the piece that ESPN does is, you know, bawling her eyes out, like, what the hell is going on with my kid down there, you know, as any parent would, would be, especially how old were you at the time? I uh, was 26. Yeah. Cutting the uniform off on the ice and delivering CPR. And the story that the doctor tells the specialist who's called in is that somebody calls and says, hey, look, we've been delivering CPR for a really, really long time. Over an hour. Yeah. And we're going to we're going to give up. That was and the doctor said, don't no. give up. I'm on my way. You know, and it. it I mean, what did this guy think he was like some miracle worker? I mean, this guy's been this guy's heart has been stopped for 90 plus minutes. Yeah. Um, no, I think yeah, as an athlete, it's just kind of like men- mentality wise, you're you kind of, you know, the real world, I guess, is kind of um, kind of behind you. You don't see things like this happen and you don't see the special skill sets and, you know, the you know, you the athletes are on TV and they get noticed and stuff, but you, there's these doctors and lawyers and nurses and people that are just as successful and just as good at their job, but you know, they're not in the public eye, but you know, a guy like him, he's just he's tons of passion for what he does. He's obviously very skilled at it. Um, I think he's got some, some past history in his family of cardiac events and that's what brought him in to do it. And um, you know, he, uh, I think the coolest thing about some of these guys is, you know, obviously you got to make money and, and get paid to, to be, to make a living, but the personal relationships and the care, you know, I think the first time I, I had come to and conscious and met him, I was like, well, this guy, you know, he cares a lot about me as a person rather than, you know, I'm not just another patient for him. So, so what, when is this happening? This, this collapse is 2016, about what month do you recall? Yeah, it was November 19th. November 19th. So we're like literally two years ago. Yeah. Just, yeah. Just two years ago. And um, so collapse on the ice. They, they're driving you to the hospital. Your heart is stopped for 90 minutes. Are you are you dead for 90 minutes? Like if your heart is stopped, does that mean you're dead for 90? Did they tell you like you were dead for 90 minutes? Uh, I, I don't think they can't use it. I don't think they use the term dead. Um, but yeah, my, my, whole, my organs had all shut down for 90 plus minutes. I had no circulation, no perfusion to the rest of my organs. But, um, you know, I guess to put it in, I guess, no, I wasn't dead because my brain function kind of came back. It's yeah. everyone kind of goes through different things. I'm incredibly lucky that my brain function didn't get affected had that doctor done that surgery before you know i i i i have to get the exact number i think i'm like the fourth fourth or fifth person in the world the that surgery, surgery had ever been done that, on. that a heart surgery but yeah. The, yeah right so so wait, wait well, let me let me get there yeah because that surgery is that's coming right i yeah. mean so so you're you're 90 i'm just the reason i'm asking about the 90 minutes and the heart being stopped is because i don't really know that i've ever met anybody whose heart has been stopped for 90 minutes you you won't <laughs> Right, I'm right here. Yeah. He's in a, exactly, he's in a small club. Right. So, so not knowing anybody whose heart has stopped for 90 minutes, you hear 
about people with these stories of, you know, my heart was stopped. They revived me. They brought me back. Okay. So while you're out, while you're considered out, right, um, people have all these stories about what's going on. Do you have any, you, you mentioned you have no recollection of the weekend before the collapse. Do you have any recollection of any kind of the 90 minute period of time? No. That you're, none. Zero. Zero. I mean, you don't I have any crazy. I have no, uh, no, I have no memories of, like, I, have, I, I remember some weird dreams and stuff like that while I was kind of coming in and out of the medication. But, um, you know, I think I do have a couple of weird, you know, you get in the operating room and you look up and it's kind of like, you know, you've seen that show Dexter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I kind of, I remember thinking like, oh my God, where am I? And it's just, I think it's your body protects you from, from the harm. It protects your brain, protects everything. And, you know, I'm actually very glad that I don't recall a lot of those yeah. memories. It's kind of just, it happened and it is what it is and I move on. But you've heard this, what I'm talking about, right? I mean, people who've, who've said that, you know, they were out for 20 minutes and they were revived. They were shocked. Their heart was shot. And they always go, dude, I was there. I could see the light. I decided to come back. I mean, people have cosmic stories. You have none of that. No, no, I don't have any of that. It's, uh, you know, the miracle worker and the doc did on me and, and the nurses and the rest of the people right. that, you know, kept the perfusion going in my body. It's, uh, you know, I guess at that point you, you know, I think it's, it's hard to rely on other people, but you know, obviously I was lucky and I got the right people in the right place. I know. How about the perseverance of the medical team not being willing to give up? Well, and the persever- their perseverance, but also I love the fact that the doctor comes in and basically says to mom, right, Hey, I'm here, I'm going to save your son. I mean, you know, surgeons are, they have to be ultra confident. And this guy is, is obviously the top of his craft. Yeah. To, to and when, what he and did. You, but you didn't sense from him, at least in the ESPN piece, that he had what, you know, you, I think we've seen in movies before, they call a God complex for doctors. Like, look out, I'm here, I can save the day. He kind of came in like, I've done this, I've mm-hmm. seen this, I don't want to give up on this guy. He's young, he's fit. Let's see if we can't, Absolutely. can't do something. I mean, amazing. That this guy, like you said, when somebody called him and said, hey, it's been a long time. We don't have anything. You know, we're going to give up. And he said, no, don't do that. It's incredible. I mean, one guy, one decision, you know, and that's pretty amazing. Yeah. I mean, we have a pretty special bond now. I talk to him, you know, at least two, three times a week. We're on the phone. Um, We've started a cardiac screening foundation together that we're both working on to try and prevent these things from happening. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm sitting here today, you know, solely because of him. It's, you know, it's kind of amazing that. You know, he can, I guess, you know, if he ever thinks about it when he goes to bed at night, he, he saved my life. If it wasn't for him, I wouldn't be sitting here today. And um, a selfless job, guys that you never hear about, these amazing things that they do, but they're out there. And, you know, you thank very thankful for, for people that put patients and other people that are going through trauma first. So what's really interesting is um, you were talking about the surgery. Mm-hmm. So. Can you just describe for everybody, we've, I, we've told the story, collapse before a hockey game, cut the jersey and the pads off of them right there in public, man. I mean, there was no, there was no, like, put up a, you know how the NFL now, they put down like a, a drape. Yeah. They didn't come and tent no, this guy. No, no. I mean, it's, it's now. This got, happened. We, there's no time to waste. In public daylight, you know. Um, pull you off on the stretcher, get you to the hospital, 90 minutes without a heartbeat, doctor who comes in and, and now is going to perform a, a, an experimental surgery that he said in the ESPN piece, he'd only done it twice before. But he yeah. was the only guy that had done it. So what was he? What was the diagnosis? What did they say caused the collapse and subsequent events thereafter? 
Yeah, I mean, the cause is still undiagnosed. There's no, they weren't able to find anything wrong. It's, you know, as the research and stuff gets better, it's, they think maybe a metabolomics thing, if I had like low magnesium or low potassium, but it's kind of just a shot in the dark. Um, I had no structural issues or anything like that. So, um, obviously, he's been able to crack my chest right open and directly look at my heart and there's no you know there's no structural issues so um at this point it's kind of um, an unknown but you know what, what do they call it though they, they there was cardiac a, arrest just cardiac just you went into cardiac arrest cardiac arrest i mean i went yeah so i went into v- vtac it's called it's a fatal rhythm and then i went into um v-fib which is most people once you get into v-fib you don't you don't make it out you got to be shocked to get out of it or else there's no way getting you out 26 years old they have no idea why that would have happened to a mm-hmm. young, athletic, fit guy. Electrical system. You know, you've got an electrical system inside your body, and you just never know when it shorts out. or. I, I think the, the craziest thing about it is, you know, now that I'm, this has been brought to me, my attention, and, I, you know, I'm constantly looking at, you know, I, it's sad and it's crazy, but I, I read an article every one or two days about a athletic guy that has collapsed, and, you know, 75, 80% of the time, they don't make it. Like, it's... It's uh, something that's going on right now in the world that people, I think, need to take notice, and there's got to be some more awareness. I mean, there's just so many things out there. It's hard to, you know, there's the cancer awareness, the cardiac, the brain. You know, everyone is trying to improve the screening and the process, Um, but I think you need to continue to push and not put one thing in front of the other. I think there's all these things out there that are, that are, people are dropping dead daily and kind of out of the blue. This could have been prevented? That's the uh, that's the gray area right now that they're we're sorting through. Um, just the the screening process has not been changed since you know the 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 way that the world has changed and the internet and all these cool devices and everything they have they haven't changed the process of cardiac screening and it's like okay now we have these crazy iPhones and we can basically do anything with technology like let's put some time into developing something that we can start predicting these things from happening and. You know, that's basically the goal of the foundation that the doc and I have started. And, you know, we've got a bunch of engineers and research guys working on it and um, trying to basically predict sudden cardiac arrest out of heart rate variability in numbers. Wow. Okay. So so the doctor is going to perform this surgery and he's going to have um, artificial heart and lungs breathe for you and, and pump yeah. your blood, I guess. ECMO. Right? It's called ECMO. Yeah, it's... Uh, so that's part of the reason, I mean, I guess we haven't even got to this part, but I had to lose my leg um, because well, of yeah, circulation. Coming, yeah, here's what, here's, here's what brings me and Bobby, yeah. <laughs> you know, back together again and, and what brings you to San Diego, I yeah. suppose. So we'll get to you losing your leg and now you're involved with the Challenge Athletes Foundation. So what happened? So, so this surgery. So I go through this surgery and... Um, are they pulling your heart? I know this sounds a little graphic, but are they literally pulling your heart out of your chest? No, they're not. So basically what they do is, so ECMO starts, they, they stick a cannula in your femoral artery, okay, and then it's basically hooked up to this ECMO machine. It's an artificial heart and lungs. It does the gas exchanges for your body because my heart wasn't strong enough to do it. Um, problem was, it was it almost ended up being too late. My I had gone, you know, see, that long CPR had gone too long without perfusion that my heart was basically ready to give out. The surgery wasn't working. Um, so the doctor came to my mom and and uh, said, Wait, hey, experimental surgery that he's doing correct that he'd only done twice before he it's not working no he hasn't done that surgery yet he's doing the one that everyone does 
Oh, he's starting. And then it doesn't work. Okay, got so it. So now the next step is my mom has to sign this waiver basically saying, you know, the surgery's been done before, but not very often, maybe four or five times. And I think, I, I'm not sure if I was the first person he had done it to or the second. Okay. Um, but basically went right, so pulled the cannula out of my femoral artery and went in, cracked my chest open and cannulated my left ventricle. And I think like within a half hour, 45 minutes, my heart was beating again. He did what wow. to your left ventricle? So he cannulated it. So the ECMO machine where that was actually hooked up into my femoral artery, uh-huh. yeah, they pull it out of there and he cracked my chest and stuck it right into the ventricle to get his beating again. Wow. Yeah. Special guy. Whoa, man. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you, say you, you say you woke up at some point during surgery and I mean, are you talking about like this kind of surgery? Well, no, 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 no. Okay, I didn't cause... wake up in the surgery. It's in the recovery room after, okay. you know, and you, I don't know if you've ever been in surgery or been put under when you wake up, it's kind of like, you know, you're not, you're not the same person, right? right? You're not in the right world. Yeah. So you, you kind of do some uncharacteristic things. Big time coming out of anesthesia. Yeah. I've been an ass of myself a few times, <laughs> yeah. you know? Um, okay. So, so the doctor is going to, is doing this procedure mm-hmm. and he, he does this thing where he puts it directly into your heart. And it shocks your heart. Is that is that what you're saying? It, it, no. It, 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 by this point, they're not shocking me anymore. Yeah. Um, they're they they're, they put the cannula right in there. It's basically uh-huh. for for blood flow. It, it gives my heart a rest. It does a gas exchanges for it, and then it allows my heart was so swollen. It allowed my heart to like he did another procedure that my heart decompressed, so it wasn't so swollen anymore. So that it was able to start beating again. But in, until it could start beating. Uh, this is what kept my um, perfusion to the rest of my body, and I mean, obviously not my my left leg, but the rest of my brain and vital organs. How long is this process going on? Do you have any idea? Are we talking about hours, days? Oh, well, we're talking days. Yeah, I mean, so I was in a coma for ten days. So from November eighteenth to November twenty ninth or thirtieth, I was you know in a coma. I think after ten days, they took the breathing the breathing tube out, um, and then you know the rest of the time for another three, four weeks is pretty hazy. You're on lots of medication. I'm down there every day that I hadn't had my leg amputated yet. It was just kind of, you know, every morning I was get the, uh, vascular doc was coming in and looking at me and changing the bandages. And, um, you know, I remember he told me, no, don't look, don't look. And one morning I said, okay, I, I need to look. I got to see what's going on. And, um, you know, he kind of undid the bandage. I looked down and I don't know if you've ever caught a fish and, you know, you got a fish when you, when you got a fish, you open it up and you see all that like pink tissue and stuff. And that was what my leg looked like. It was just mangled and I couldn't feel it. And they were holding on They were They were, the doc was just, you know, he's like, it's going to come back. It's going to come back. And eventually I got an infection in there and, uh, they were afraid that it would get into my bloodstream and my heart Ooh. wasn't quite strong enough to fight it off yet. So it was kind of, yeah. you know, MRI at 1130 at night you know with no real explanation 6 30 the next morning doctor comes in explains the situation and then i'm in for surgery getting amputated by you know two o'clock that afternoon um is anybody this may sound shallow is anybody thinking about hockey at this point <laughs> i hope not because <laughs> what i would be thinking is i'd rather live without my leg then hold on to it and try like you know how athletes think like but what do you mean you're going to take my leg i i've got to play hockey i'm going to come back and play hockey by that point i had um come to you know realize the severity of the situation and i was never going to play again no matter what um you know i think after something like that an event like that you know i would never put my body through you know something where i can't control my own heart rate or yeah. stop and start when i want to yeah um so i kind of knew that 
my career was over. Um, Gosh, in one split second too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's not like you got hurt. My knees hurt. I'm not going to be able to rehab. I can't figure it out. My I'm I'm older now. You know, I'm I can't get into as good a shape. I've lost my passion. I mean, anything that happens to end a, an athlete's career versus something Immediate. freakish. Yeah. Yeah, that, I mean that was the hardest part, the mental part. But um, you know, in the end, you know, we're all athletes, and you do, you know, the lifestyle is great, and it's great to have a passion and be part of a team, and you know, and playing these cool stadiums in front of fans, and and be a part of it. But you know, I think in the end, now that I've had time to sit back and think about it, it's you know, there's more to life than just being an athlete, and you know, there's you know, the one bright side of this whole thing, I've got to spend way more time with my family, and you know got some more special time with my friends and I've gained new relationships and kind of, you know, learned out things. I think when you're an athlete, you kind of, you know, you, you, you're not aware of everything that's around you. You got one mindset. It's a one track mindset and you just kind of look ahead and you keep trekking on. And, um, you know, since this has happened to me, I've kind of had a lot of time to sit back and realize and you know, just be thankful for everything and all the opportunities that I was given. And, um, you know, now that with the leg and this situation and getting involved with the challenge athletes foundation, I kind of thought at first, like, Oh, this is tough. You know, I'm going to be you know, in a chair or barely walking the rest of my life. And, um, I remember the vascular doctor, the first day comes in and she pulls up all these videos of these athletes that have amputations that are, you know, doing way crazier things than people that are, what do they call them? Full bodied athletes, able body, able body athletes. Way, they, they call uh, us able bodied athletes, yeah, but yeah. believe us, we're the we're challenge. Not, athletes. Yeah. So, so um, we are the challenge. So, so listen, so take us back then, because this is really, I think anybody who's going to be listening to this, mm-hmm. We'll say, okay, young man, uh, tragic situation. No one could predict it, you know. Um, loses his hockey career. Okay, fine. But losing a limb. Right. Losing your leg. This is now a whole different world here. I mean, he's lucky to be alive. Can we agree? Yeah, yeah. lucky to be alive. No question. <laughs> but but alive now and minus your full body. Because the, the heart... And the, the, you called it, you, you talked about how the blood flow wasn't happening, right? And that's, that's what happened yeah. to your leg. Is that, yeah, I lost, yeah, my, my, my organs weren't getting full perfusion basically. So, um, and why does the leg turn like w- how you described it? So that when they stick the, the cannula into the femoral artery, the blood, you get no blood. The blood flow goes only from my top of them. It doesn't go down to my knee anymore. Uh, it pumps all know. the blood into mm-hmm. my vital organs. So you go without circulation and your leg just becomes atrophied and yeah just like it, it was so swollen they they had to cut it like so basically they cut it like all the way around from my knee on both sides they just basically cut it because it was so swollen they had to release all the pressure and then the tissue started to die and you know they kept they st- they were trying to give it blood and that wasn't working and then eventually the the infection came but um you know i could never feel it um from the time that i woke up in the coma to the time they amputated i could never feel it i i remember just trying to get up and get active and um kind of on the walker um but i couldn't i mean it might as well have been chopped off already i couldn't put any weight on it. i'm just kind of dragging it and it felt like 200 pounds this thing like i was like wow i can i can believe it wow so they take your leg man and this is below the knee below yeah yeah you can imagine bob obviously you know with caf and bob and i at one time did another podcast where we talked to lots of caf athletes and we i've talked to a lot of people who've who had limbs amputated and i'm curious because i i like I just wonder what people think um, when you when you wake up and you see it. What's that? I yeah. I mean, I think everyone's obviously different, but um, yeah. I, I this is just a part of me. This is who I am, and um, I think I was lucky enough to grow up with a healthy mindset and be comfortable with everything 
you know, that I was and what I look like and who I was. And, um, you know, this is just, this is, I think it is what it is. It doesn't change who you are or anything. You know, maybe what I say, don't judge a book by its cover. Right? It's, it's, uh, yeah. When I look down, I kind of obviously you wish it was there and everything was back to normal, but it, this has opened up a lot of new doors for me and, you know, a lot of new relationships and just, you know, you're thankful for the, the good, healthy years that you have. I mean, not everyone gets even 25 good years on two good legs. You see kids that are, you know, born without a limb or they go through tragic accidents at a young age. I mean, I got 27 really good years out of those legs and mm-hmm. they were good to me. And, you know, now I got this bionic one and uh, I got to get it up and going and, and uh, live life with no limitations. That's my goal. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll talk again in a year yes. and, and I'll ask you this question and I already know what your answer will be. I'll ask you how different is your life today? with that prosthetic leg versus if you had two full legs, the ones that you had. And I guarantee your answer will be not one bit different. Other than I don't play pro hockey that anymore. Is, yeah. you, you, you can skate on the ice. Yeah. You can run a marathon if you want to. You can ride a bike across the country. You can go water skiing. You can do anything you want to with that prosthetic leg because that is the attitude. Absolutely. You know, that's the attitude. Yeah, the, the deal is that it, it, the hardest part back in the day when someone like Craig would come out of the hospital, it's like, well, what's next? And there really wasn't any path. Well, now he can go online and see guys running track. He can see guys playing, you know, playing basketball, playing football, playing anything they want to play. So it's, it's really not, uh, it's, it's just a totally different world. I see. What are you doing? You're taking like a sleeve off of your leg or something. No, I just took, I just took the, I mean, I just, I was at the gym this morning. So, um, Oh, Every now and then, it's a little sore, so you just pop it off. You took the leg off. Yeah, yeah I there, see it. There it is. Yeah, wow. What are we looking at here, Bob? I mean, obviously, if if Craig's in town and he's with yep. you, that means that the Challenge Athletes Foundation has somehow gotten to this young man, <laughs> which which means which is which is good and bad for you, man. <laughs> because once they get you, they got you. Okay, once they get you, you wind up saying, "Wait, I've never ridden a bike all the way from San Francisco to San Diego." <laughs> and then they say to you, "Well, you're going to do an Ironman." I go, "Well, I can't do it." Well, okay, let's go do an Ironman. <laughs> and and well, wait, you're going to ride a bike all the way across the country? I mean, this is what CAF does to you. They they get you once they get you. Once this guy and his business partners here, you know the his partners in crime once they get you forget it you're exactly, in exactly well and the main so craig actually was uh, applied for a grant applied for uh, a running leg from caf and now how did you find us uh my prosthetist at the time uh, basically kind of I, I was new right so right. yeah and as i learn and meet people now you're kind of in but she she was the one that kind of was like hey there's this company out there so i started following them on instagram and you know the power of social media and twitter and just keeping up to date and i'm like wow this is really cool this is amazing what these people are doing and uh, she's like well you know you can put a grant in and they 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 give out these grants yearly to people that you know want to get out and get active and not let this thing restrict them and um i was lucky enough to, to get the grant and uh, i went to the running clinic in in tucson and, and met a bunch of amputees and uh was lucky enough to connect with bob and um here i am today he's kind of <laughs> leading me all over the place and but yeah. uh it's all it's been great and feel super lucky to to kind of get involved and get into the groove here yeah he's been i mean the hard part is is you get a leg and in 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 craig's case you get a you know like a running leg and dialing this stuff in and getting the right fit mm-hmm. so not just running but walking so that craig's not in pain and he wants to skate on the ice it's it's a process it takes a while it's only it's like it's funny if you talk to most people it's, it's only two years yeah but two years is is an eternity if you're an athlete and you want to get back doing what you want to do but your leg is still changing 
and it's still figuring out that fit so that he can do what he wants to do is is, is a challenge. Yeah, it's been, I mean, it's, yeah, I, I'm almost two years, December 24th will be two years of the amputation. And um, I think I've gone through, you know, 20 plus check sockets and 10 normal sockets. My, my limb keeps changing. And, you know, part of the reason that it's changing is I'm, I'm getting active again and I'm getting fit and, um, it's going so that the limb continues to change, but it's a challenge. Um, you know, some days you have good days, sometimes you have bad days and you never know what that day is going to bring. You know, today I was at the gym and, um, was jogging along and rowing and getting on the bike. And then all of a sudden the last 10 minutes, my leg just starts killing me. So I, you know, I pop it off and, you know, the cool thing now is the world has adapted adapted to people with, you know, I won't say disabilities. What's the word do you use? Or yeah, you could say, you could say with disabilities. Yeah. I mean, it's, it you know, there, there's elevators now in the gym. There, there's machines there that, you know, people that are in wheelchairs can use. There's, there's just so many different things, you know, between the challenge athletes foundation and the gym. And I think just the whole world is kind of adapting to people with, with these things and not, you know, one, not judging them and two, trying to make life, you know, as easy for them as it is for an able-bodied person. And, you know, to today at the gym, I, I seen another person that was, you know, kind of in the same situation as me. And you just, you know, we were probably sweating the most out of anyone at the gym. Um, so. Oh, believe me, I don't, I, listen, I, it, it always kills me when I was, when I was racing that I'd be running and thinking, okay, it's time to maybe chill a little bit. And then some guy with one leg comes bouncing right by me. And that feeling of, oh my God, that guy's got one leg and he has just passed me this deep in this race. That is a problem for me, you know, and it's, uh, it just, you know, I, I can tell you story after story of people that I know that have one leg that have accomplished insane things or people with no legs, you know, or one arm or no arms um, or are blind or whatever, um, who just do not let these sorts of challenges slow them down. And most of that, what you said earlier is, you know, once you look down at your leg, you weren't like, oh, my God, my life is over. I only have one leg. You were like, OK, so I've got one leg and yeah, let's let's keep rolling. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, back to just the challenge athletes thing. It's, it's, it's. I think it's just amazing. It's, it, it helps so much when, when you just see other people and you, you see other people and they motivate you. You don't let people, you, they, they don't let these things slow them down. And I, I've talked to so many people that have got involved with the, with the Challenge Athletes Foundation, and you know, it's, it's a little different for me from going from being a professional athlete to this. And you know, probably ninety percent of the people that I have spoken to are more active now and have done more now since they've lost a limb or been involved than they did when they were able body. And true. to me, that's amazing. <laughs> we hear that all the time. They climb Mount Everest. It's people realize, you know, life is short, and this trauma happened for a reason, and maybe I should move forward. Yeah, I see it that way, too. You know, it's interesting you said, though, you know, you have good days and bad days. So I was riding with Challenge Athletes Foundation from San Francisco to San Diego in 2007. I met a gentleman named Dave Love, and this guy was a world-class endurance athlete. But he was an amateur, you know? But he made it into the—you you know Dave Love. Oh, very well. Yeah. And and Dave Love was one of these guys who's such a warrior that um, even till you know, he was about, I don't know, 65 years old, his body was beaten down from doing 25 marathons and 25 Ironmans mm-hmm. and, and all kinds of adventurous stuff that got him hurt or, yep. you know, <laughs> whatever. And— um, and he swam the La Jolla Cove every day from from the cove all the way over to the to the, the pier, pier and back, back yeah, three yeah. miles, by the way, with one arm. Not that he didn't have his other arm. It's just that it didn't work anymore. You know, so he just swam every day one arm. And and he says, unlike what you said, you see, you have good days and bad days. He says, and I live like this, only two kinds of days, 
good days and great days. <laughs> <laughs> and that's a great, that's a great mindset. I, yeah, it's, I used to, you know, at the start, you kind of like, oh God, here we go again. And you know, good day, a bad day on the leg. You got to take the leg off. And, you know, I think t- to me now it, it is what it is. Sometimes you're going to be in pain and that's fine. You know, like able-bodied people get back pain. You got to sometimes, you know, I, when I played, I got injuries and you got to take a week off or six, you know, six weeks off or three days off the ice or whatever it is. And, you know, sometimes that happens with the leg too. It's just, I, I think it's a mindset and, you know, you push through and you, you don't want to push too hard and where you kind of put yourself behind the eight ball, which I've done many times and slowly starting to learn maybe my arrogance or whatever level <laughs> needs to come down a little bit, but it's just, yeah, it's, you know, we all go through injuries and, and traumas, experiences. I, you know, I don't think anyone that, that you talk to nowadays that is, you know, 30 plus years old hasn't had some sort of debilitating thing happen to them at one point. And, you know, this is just kind of in that category. And with the technology and the people around now, it's, you know, it, there's, you know, there really is no excuses. And what is that life without limitations? Um, you know, I think that's a mindset. And with the resources that are out there now, you, you've got to take advantage of them. You know, um, I want to just turn it for a second here into another part of this, which is you know, when, when somebody and people are going to listen to this and what's what's happened to this podcast as this year has gone on, as we're nearly into 50 episodes is it's become at times inspirational, at times informational, at times funny, whatever. Um, but the people who are who are listening to this, I mean, everybody kind of. Um, has real life experiences, right? So they're listening to this and and probably thinking to themselves right now, whatever my problem is right at this exact moment, it's not as bad as what this guy had to deal with. You know, this guy, this guy lost his hockey career, went down on the ice. His mother saw all this shit. His, his, they cut his stuff off of him. They did experimental surgery. He lost his leg. I mean, all this craziness has happened in this guy's life. Whatever's going on in your real life might not really be as bad. Exactly. I think that's part of it, I think, too. That's Sometimes I look at it and think, wow, this sucks and shit, I'm having a bad day and whatever. But you know, then, then you look at the guy that he's in a wheelchair full time. You know, he's, he's a quadriplegic, he's a paraplegic. And whenever you think you've, you've had, got it tough or you got it bad, there's always thousands and thousands of people out there that got it way worse than you do. And you kind of just got to pick your head up and look around and be aware and just be, be thankful you're here and what you got. And, um, you know, you're going to have good days and bad days. I think that's just a mindset and, you know, if you're going to have a bad day, you, you got to get through it. And, you know, you put your head down on that pillow at night and say, you know, wow, I think that was a tough day, but I got through it and wake up with a fresh mindset the next day and, and hope things go a little smoother. We, we were in the, uh, uh, waiting room over at uh, Peter Harsh's prosthetics place right here. And I mean, that's a story right there. You sit in that waiting room and he deals with a lot of the military and we had a, you know, while Craig's waiting, a uh, guy comes in and he's got, he's missing a leg. He's going down to climb some peak up at 25,000 feet. Down oh, he's missing both his legs. Oh, he's got both legs, right? One below, one above. No, both below. Both below. Yeah. And I'm looking at his arm and I'm like, dude, he got blown up in an IED, right? And his arm, he's got part of his back is is on his arm that you skin from the from his back to to cover where his elbow was which was gone and this guy is going to climb down in you know down some major peak down in Aconcagua down in Argentina or something like that and just to make you realize you're like my god these guys folks just don't put any limitations thing is though is that it's like two years ago okay two years ago at this exact time two years ago this guy had already collapsed on the ice had already had his heart stopped for 90 minutes had already done all this stuff we've talked about that was two years ago 
Yep. That's not a no, long time. Not a long time. You know, and so much has happened, you know, and if you think about it, where were you two years ago? What were you doing two years ago, Bob? Can what you think about two yeah, years December, ago? two years ago, December, December of two 16. Years ago, probably just coming back from uh, covering the Ultraman event and like a month out from Ironman and getting ready for the next year. Yeah. I can tell you this crazy ass shit was going on in my life two years ago, December. I'm not joking, man. I mean, you you lost your leg. I broke up my marriage and, cool. and I'm telling you right now that that it was two years ago. Like, and for me, the two years since feels like an eternity and it's not because it's not because i'm trying to be nasty i'm just saying that a lot of crazy shit happens you know you when when a major event in your life happens you know the dominoes fall thereafter you know and then you got to re you got to put them back up you know and for you two years literally just only two years ago is when all this happened yeah i mean it's hard for me even yeah i have a lot of you know fade memories and you know I, I was looking back at old pictures the other day on my phone i got a new phone so i was kind of transferring everything over and i looked back at the old pictures and um you know, i pictures of my stump and when i had first gotten the stitches out and what it looked like and how swollen it was and the first couple of videos of me learning how to walk and i could just see the pain in my in the hurt in my own eyes when i looked at the video and i just you know it, to me i'm just you know i'm proud of being able to just kind of you know just put your head down and continue to look for people that can help you and put you in a better spot. And, um, you know, the amazing support that my family has given me through this whole situation. And, um, you know, I've been lucky that coyotes have supported me, you know, from the day I went down until today, um, I still continue to work for them and, you know, they, they're very good. You know, I've got to come down here for leg stuff. I got to go, you know, I was going to Boston for leg stuff. They gave me time off. And, um, you know, I think it's with all the bad that's out there and all the bad you see on the news and, you know, the terrible people and what people are doing. And there, there's so much good in the world as well. And I think that, you know, some, every now and then it, it's not going to hurt to shine a light on that sort of stuff. That's really true because you think about it with, you know, there's a lot of toxic stuff out there, but we sort of deal in where people are trying to be nice to people. And people <laughs> are trying to change people's lives. It's sort of yeah, a you're different. In the, you're in the be nice business. That's Bobby. what we do. Yeah, right? we can't always all be nice, though, you know, it's, uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's tough to put into words. It's two years, you know, my amputation is coming up on two years, my cardiac event two years ago and you know it's amazing uh, the people that I remember the date you know the amount of text messages I got from people and you know even just nurses or ambulance guys that drove me to the hospital or firefighters or you know obviously my my cardiac surgeon uh, we we talked and um, you know I'm not a very emotional person um, but you know I almost had you know sitting there at the gym I was on the rower and I get a call from him and stop and answer it and Christ I'm sitting in the middle of here of LA Fitness kind of tearing up on the phone talking to him and um it, it's been a, a tough two years but i've learned a lot about myself and a lot about the people around me and, and you know i've surrounded myself with the, with good people and um this is just a little ailment i guess and i'm just going to be fine you know i think that's the way you got everything's going to be fine you you learn or you live and you learn and you adapt and uh, as long as you got the right people in the right support system you can you can get through most things and you're, you and your doctor are working to help the next person. Yeah, right? that's what I want to ask because you, you, now you this watch, is a gift. Unfortunately, yeah, you know, yeah, the, the know. gift is, is it's weird. I mean, now there's some gift here. There's some, Absolutely. there's some silver lining. You even already started to allude to it. You know, you spent more time with your family there, you know, you can find the good and the bad, right? Yeah, so, you can. It's uh. so what are yeah. you going to do with this? What are you going to do with this platform now? You so know, yeah, we, we've uh, and now involved with CAF and all this stuff. I mean, what are you going to do now? Yeah, I think uh, I was talking the other day. I did something, and they, and they asked me, and they said, you know, what, what's important to you kind of, you know, at this point? And, 
in life and like what do you want to leave behind and I think to me, it's, I want to have an impact on, on helping other people, you know, whether it be with the cardiac screening and, you know, getting this thing up and going with my doc and saving people's life or getting involved with, you know, some of our prospects or, or draft picks and just kind of, you know, I think um, one of the things about these sports and stuff is you get so caught up in just the sport and, you know, this is what you need to do to get to the next level. This is this, this is that. And, you know, you kind of lose track of, you know, how, how you doing, you know, how are you doing at your billet house? You know, you're 17 years old, you're away from home. Is everything okay with the family? How's everything going at school? school you know are you yeah are you getting along with the coach and you know the coach doesn't have time all the time to deal with 20 players to do videos so you know you can pull two or three guys aside and just talk to them and you know i remember you know when people a couple times it happened to me in my career and um it, it helps when, when you feel like you know this guy's taking some time out of his day and he, he's giving me some one-on-one treatment and um you know to me it's the the legacy that you leave behind and, and the impact that you have on people and you know i think if you want people to remember you know when they when your name comes up and they remember you they you you want to remember this as someone that helped people either get to the next level in, in hockey or you know more importantly you know started helping people you know get their lives saved we're gonna see you out here in san diego around caf <laughs> yeah i uh i hope so um yeah it's uh it's amazing i i kind of went by and looked at their gym and just you know it's cool what they do and you know now kind of forged a relationship here with bob and um you know i i'm a pro scout for the coyotes so uh, i follow the gulls as well so i'm able to come out for work and watch and um yeah i love the city it's uh it'd be on my uh to move list that's for sure <laughs> <laughs> the other thing that's fascinating scotty is 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 you notice that craig looks at his watch a lot mm-hmm. and you're involved in an experimental study yeah so uh i thought you were trying to get out of here yeah. <laughs> this is part of the uh kind of the biggest thing is uh the doc and i have you know through our foundation have started we developed this app basically it, it monitors me it's on the it's compatible on the ios version the iphone and the watch and it monitors my heart rate variability all day um i export the information twice a day uh goes into basically iCloud and computers you know the, these computers they analyze the numbers and you know there's numbers that you're supposed to be within range mm-hmm. and if you're outside of that range you're at risk for something to happen and the goal behind this is for you know you to wear the watch you to live your life and you're just constantly getting monitored no matter what you're doing you know through through the watch and every time i work out you know the doc can see i'm working on my heart rate's going up and down I've, a couple of times he's texting me and say hey what are you doing at this time like i'm looking at your heart rate and you know i'm working out so it's going up and down and um you know the goal is to to predict sudden cardiac arrest they're able to look at the heart rate variability in the numbers and um if they think you're at risk basically would be a phone call and you got to come in and see the doc and you know the cool thing about the heart is you go into cardiac arrest or something and you're in the hospital or there's people around you like there's so many things they can do to prevent it from actually happening and and that's the goal is prevention i mean there's so many different ways out there to save lives and all that stuff and those people are doing amazing jobs but you know why, why don't we up the the screening and and the technology and the information and prevent this from happening before it happens i mean if i could you know, if they would have said, hey, you know, take three hours out of your day and you go in and get this screening done. And this doesn't even take three hours. But I'm just saying, you know, I would have gone in and got it done to, you know, to have my leg back, to have my career back, to have my life back to where I was. But unfortunately, you know, that's kind of not the position that I was put in. But, um, you know, I, I feel like I'm in a position now where people help me. And the only reason I'm here today is because of other people and, you know, their selflessness. And kind of that's what I want to give back to the to the people. What's installed in the in the heart to do that? 
So this is just it monitors. This is it. This is all you need is is the wristwatch. I have a loop recorder installed in my chest right now, just so that that I mean that's one hundred percent that reads my every beat, the electricity, and I'm able to submit it. But basically, we're using it to compare it with the information of the watch, so that people don't have to end up getting the loop recorder put in just the watch. So it's not. I think we're like over ninety percent accuracy right now. So we're just. I think it's got to be ninety eight before we put it out to to public. So it's just it. There's nothing in your heart or in your chest that is linked to the, the watch. watch. No, the watches you, you just wear the watch. Is it just a heart rate monitor or? It, it's our own. It, it's called Rhythm Core. It's an app that our guys have developed. Our engineers and it, you get it on the app store. You know, like any other app when you buy one, um, and you sign up for it. You get to kind of put in a bunch of information and blah blah blah. And once it's on, it's on. Like you know, I get monitored twenty four seven three sixty. Can we do it on our phone or we have to have the watch? You have to have the watch because the phone can't read your heart rate. So wow. it's the laser on the back of the watch got that reads my heart rate. Got it, oh, got wow. it, got it. What's the but name that, of the app? Rhythm Core. Rhythm Core. Yeah. It's and, so uh, cool that, that he and his doctor, and, and the whole idea is, is he's being monitored, but it's not so much about you no. as for other yeah, I'm basically he's the test dummy. <laughs> I'm the guinea pig, and uh, we use a lot of his patients in the hospital or, you know, guys that have atrial fibrillation or known genetic defects or whatever. We're just kind of compiling all this information, and, um, you know, we hope. There's a bunch of different projects, actually, some some cool projects. There's a blood prick thing that we're working on, a metabolomics thing, basically, where you prick and you go and you work out. And you know, as Bob, I'm sure is quite aware that these guys that are the Iron Man and yep. guys that are exerting Active. themselves, you're at more risk for right. sudden cardiac arrest. And people don't understand; they think, "Oh, these healthy people," but you're not because you work your hard, so much harder than you're supposed to. Interesting. So yeah. basically, you prick you prick your finger before you go and exercise, and you prick your finger after, and they check all these different levels in your blood. You know, so if your potassium goes low or your magnesium goes low or something like that, you just go on a supplement, and so instead of you know, hopefully not getting to this point, but they're able to say, Hey, your potassium's low. And you know, that there's been some, that, that leads to sudden cardiac arrest. So they put you on a potassium supplement or something like that. And then the last thing that we're working on, and this is, this is a little ways away, but it's a really cool idea is basically, um, you'd have to have cell phone service wherever you are, but, um, it's an app. And if you're with someone and they, and they drop, um, you would hit something and essentially location and then a drone, drops an AED out of the air. So we're AED. working on that. Oh, anti or, or yeah, something. Defibrillator. What, what's yeah, what's A stand for? Shock you, shock yeah. you from cardiac yeah. arrest. Yeah. You know, so that's the problem is when these people have these cardiac arrests in remote places. You know, Indian reserves or people that live kind of out and you know, wherever they are. How fast you, would the drone be able to get there? Yeah, that's. I mean, we're work. I, this is this is just the thing that we're working on. Okay, uh, got it. But I, it, I mean, I I think it. I mean, the goal is to get it there pretty quick. I mean, what's amazing though? Again, just 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 to kind of wrap this whole thing up. Yeah. What's really amazing is this. So you're 20, how old are you now? I, I just turned 28. 28. If this never would have happened, if, if two years ago, this whole thing did not happen, mm-hmm. chances are you'd probably have played last night, right? <laughs> well, uh, hopefully, be uh, hopefully I would have been back yeah, up in the NHL, but <laughs> I, I'd take it, man. I'd take anything playing anywhere. Mean, having played minor league hockey here in San Diego yeah. with you, the team you're here scouting, I mean... You might have played hockey last night. Yeah. NHL hockey, preferably. Yeah. Right. Okay. Um, that, that didn't happen. But had it happened, everything you just talked about, all the stuff you're working on, mm-hmm. all the stuff that may help a lot of people, all the stuff that may eventually make you a shit ton more money than you ever would have made. <laughs> uh, a, we're a nonprofit, so we'll, we'll see. But let, me, but let me, here's what I mean by that, though. 
more money might be made from these products that you might be creating that could eventually turn into a lot of good for other people. I'm not saying, you know, you're trying to be selfish about it. What I'm saying, though, is, is that, again, we talked about two years ago. If two years ago none of this happened, you'd be playing in the NHL last night. Right. But in the two years since, not only have you had to learn how to adapt to having lost a leg um, and getting back to doing all the things you want to do, but all the stuff you just talked about is all about helping lots and lots of other people. Exactly. This would not be going on in your life had this whole event not happened two years ago. Can we agree on that? Yeah, I agree. And, um, you know, obviously the leg is, is a challenge and, um, I loved hockey and, you know, I think, you know, from the age of eight years old to 26, when I, you know, that was, that was it. That was my focus and that was everything. And so thankful that I was able to, you know, to play where I did and, and get the experiences and the relationships that I did. But, um, you know, I think that the one silver lining of this whole thing is, has just basically, you know, instead of just a one track mind, I've opened up my mindset and I've learned a lot and you look around and, um, you, you want to help people. I think that, you know, the only reason I'm sitting here today is because, you know, there was a couple of people that passionately wanted to help me and, you know, selflessness, you, they, you, you, you don't, you don't get accolades for that. You're not in the, you know, you don't get in the war. People don't hear about your name. And you know, to me, it's, it's now it's like, okay, what do you, what kind of legacy you're going to leave behind? You know, what kind of an impact are you going to have on kids and other people? And are you going to help? And are they going to remember you like, Oh yeah, yeah, I remember that guy with one leg. He, he never let anything stop him. You know, he helped me. And, you know, like, you know, for me, there's guys that I've talked to fellow amputees and guys that have been through cardiac events that, that I've talked to and just talking to those people and seeing the way that they don't let anything hold them back has helped me. And, you know, now I'd like to pass that on to other people as well. Bob Babbitt. Yes, sir. Coming through like a rock star as always. <laughs> I'm telling you, I really wasn't going to do a podcast this week because there's so much going on. It's the end of the year. You know, um, I've got a lot of stuff going on with my kids. Um, two years later, I'm still trying to just kind of finalize my own divorce problems yeah. two years later, right? I mean, just everything's going on. It's the end of the year and you'd like to wrap things up. And I really wasn't sure I was going to do a podcast. And then all of a sudden, like I said, I was lucky enough to... Have had Bob introduce me to you, Craig, and man, what a what a great day! Thank you so much for sharing your story with everybody. Appreciate that, and oh. thanks, Bobby, for for getting this and and for always for helping me always, man. Always a pleasure. Love love what you do. Uh, any last things to uh, like people where they can find you or um, anything you you want to just tell people? Um, yeah, I mean, if you if you're interested in getting involved with it, you know, it's called allheartfoundation.org. dot um, org. You can click on there's lots of information, different stuff. Um, but I, I think it's just you know go out and I, no matter what you do, I think, you know, people, you know, they don't go check, get checked by a doctor. Just go get your yearly physical, go, go, go get looked at. It's, it's not that hard. You know, it take two hours out of your day once a year to go in and get looked at and, um, you know, it can, it can save your life. I mean, is it really going to be worth it if something did happen and it was preventable that you didn't take that hour out of your day to go and get your doc or get checked. And, um, you know, hopefully now with this technology and, and the awareness and it stuff's going to get better and, and we're going to fix this whole Hopefully, and there's going to be less and less people every year, and, and that's the goal. Love it. Appreciate you guys. Thank you very much. Thanks, man. Welcome, Scott. I want to thank Craig Cunningham. I want to thank Bob Abbott for both coming in, being a part, and for Craig being willing to share that story. Think about that. I, and I asked Bob and I asked Craig. Obviously, we know what Craig's story is two years ago, where he was. Where were you two years ago? Where were you? What were you doing? What was going on in your life? 
how much impact does that problem then have today? Like I mentioned my divorce. I mean, it's true. I mean, two years ago, this is when it began. This is when the process started. Two years later, still not done with the process, has cost a fortune in legal fees, and has cost a lot of aggravation. It's also cost a lot of consternation in the home. But that's what's gone on in the last two years. Not to mention starting a new business, trying to start a new platform, trying to learn about software development, trying to learn how to move people in and out of an organization. I mean, these are all things that have happened, I know, in my last two years. So just it's, it's really interesting to think that two years is not even that long of a time, but yet it is a long time. And think about what's happened to that guy, Craig Cunningham, in two years. So, Craig, thanks for sharing your story. And even though you know, losing your career in hockey, um, losing your playing career in hockey, losing your limb... Um, that sucks, you know, and that's a major challenge for most people. Um, but the way Craig woke up, looked at his leg, immediately thought, what's next? Um, and just to think about what the good that comes out of the bad, all the things he talked about, helping people, prevention and, and screenings and technology and all these things, this guy would never even be thinking about any of that. He'd be thinking about who he's playing the next night. And so the good that comes from the bad has kind of been a common theme all year long. Thank you to Craig Cunningham. Thank you to Bob Babbitt. Thank you to the Challenge Athletes Foundation. Thank you to Allison Ratzlaff, my right hand, who without my without Allison, I don't know what I do, but she shot all the videos that you're looking at on Instagram or on Twitter. And and you know, just want to say thanks to the whole crew that helps put this together. Alex Padilla, who who does some some editing, clips some things together, and puts some stuff together, and helps post it on social media and houses all of it. So my whole team, I just really you know, you get to this time of year you start really being reflective and and what a great year we've had so thank you for listening thank you to my sponsors callawaygolf.com gorilla movers gorillamovers.com to the brigantine family of restaurants just want to say thank you to everybody for listening today and uh, we will talk to you next week on the solo podcast I was interviewed by Scott on the weekly solo podcast that on every Tuesday drops. Keep it locked and make sure after you listen, share the latest volume, tune into the next edition.